Turn your hands together. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. Can we just appreciate our worship team very quickly? Don't you think they were excellent this morning? Praise God. You know, during the praise worship today, I saw some steps that I had not seen in a long time. Did anybody else? I saw some steps, you know, like, wow, I'm in church today. All right, people really dance this morning. So let us keep it up. Okay, tap your neighbor. Say, keep it up. All right, those steps, bring bring more. I know there's more in your closet. There's more steps there. Bring them. Then where else do you want to dance the dance? Hello? Not like Pastor. You really ask you. Don't you know? Don't you know? I know. Praise God. Well, God wants all of your dance. He doesn't want to share you with anyone. He's a jealous lover. All right, so the days of sharing you are over. He wants all of you. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. I know. As they heard all of you, some of them just pictured all of me. He wants all of me. Praise God. Praise God. Are you happy in church today? Yeah, I know I'm in church today. During the worship, I saw people worshiping. During the praise, saw people dancing. During the prayer, I saw people praying. I was like, yes, this is church. This is church. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so some emphasis before we go into the word. I know we've read the announcement, but I just want to emphasize that the session we're having for young adults isn't necessarily just for young adults alone. All right, many people have questions that they have no idea, absolutely no idea how to answer. All right, so we're going to be answering a couple of questions and lots of questions over the next few months. But for the first one, a couple of questions that will be tackling. Do you want to know some of the questions? It's the old people that are even answering. I'm so like, ah, old. I will deal with pastor after the service. Praise God. We don't have any old person in the room. Praise God. Okay, so let me just give you maybe two or three of the questions that we're going to be tackling. Uh, the first question is that there is a lot of rot in the world, past and present, and all of them have connections to religion. I'm trying to resolve this mess, but why has religion brought so much evil to the world? All right, that's the first question we're going to tackle. Um, the second question is, there are so many portions of the Bible that I cannot just wrap my head around. Is this really God? Who is this God? Is there an Old Testament God? How am I supposed to believe that he loves me? Question number three. Should I go on? We, we are not here. Yeah, they are tough. They are them tough. Real tough questions. Real solid questions. And we're not just doing, you know, many times, a lot of us grow up asking our parents these questions. They keep quiet. Keep quiet. Say, mommy, how do I know there is God? Say, keep quiet. Keep quiet. What are you asking? Just have faith. All right. And what we've done is we've raised a generation now that they are not just interested. They might still come with mommy and daddy to church, but really they are done, essentially. Praise God. Question number three, there's peace in the house when I lie to my parents, and there's trouble when I say the truth. I know God wants peace, so I just keep it that way. Question number four, should I go on? I think I'll stop at number five. Okay, there's a lot of questions here that I'll be tackling. Question number four is, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? What does God, how many of you really want to know, what does God want? What does God want from me? Number five, I loved, and I'm going to be tempted, I love to read, and I read really wide. Some of my church friends are uncomfortable with the kinds of book I read. Are there books I shouldn't be reading? 
That's question number five. So how many people really want to know the answers to these questions? All right, so tell your neighbor, come, come, invite them. There's going to be food, there's going to be drinks. April 18th, I believe that's the date. Third Saturday in April, that is the date we're going to be here to discuss these questions. Praise God. Praise God. Are you glad you came to church this morning? So in the month of March, on Sundays and Wednesdays, we've been considering a series, a topic. I've not really said the broad topic because... Um, We've been picking it topic by topic, but what, we, what we're considering is all in and sold out. All in, all in. That means completely in, knee, ankle, waist, head, shoulder, completely immersed and sold out. All right. Um, last week Sunday, anybody remembers what we talked about last week Sunday? That they may see Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. The men who journeyed with him, they had heard a voice, they had seen the light, but they saw no one. All right. Uh, on Wednesday, we're talking about recipes for multiple encounters. The design of our monthly teachings on Sundays and Wednesdays, it's almost like one story, one continuous story. So on Sunday, it fed into Wednesday. Wednesday feeds into now. And for those who are here on Wednesday, let's just recap. What did we say number one is? Hunger, right? Hunger. How do you prove hunger? You prove hunger. I can literally audit you and know the things that you are really, really hungry about, right? Everybody has 24 hours in a day. Everybody, 24 hours in a day. So if I break your 24 hours into segments, I should be able to tell the things you are most passionate about, right? Hello? For some people, already 12 is already gone on sleep. So your priority is sleep. For some other people, the other priority is, yeah, series, Netflix. So how many hours is even left for God out of 24? When I'm watching Netflix, I pray under my breath. So... <laughs> it's spiritual. <laughs> Praise God. Or someone say, when I sleep, I sleep. I pray in my sleep. There are some of you who join the prayer at 5 a.m. and you are praying with us in your sleep. The Lord says he hears you, but he wants to hear you awake. <laughs> Praise God. That's a word of knowledge for someone. <laughs> Praise God. All right, that's a word of knowledge for someone. Just catch it and receive your word for knowledge or from knowledge. Your word for your word of, your word from all knowledge. Glory to God. All right, so we talked about hunger, and you essentially prove hunger with your talents, your treasure, and with your time. So we talked about time briefly now. All right. Uh, what was the second thing we talked about, apart from hunger? We talked about humility, where you have to constantly come and agree that there are things I do not know. There are things I do not understand. And I think especially for pastors or for ministers or for believers, one of the things you have to learn to accept is there are things you don't know. They're actually questions you might not have answers to. And for us, when somebody asks us such a question, don't just shove it off. Don't just say, have faith. Don't just say, believe. Just believe. All right? Just believe. Tell the person, sincerely don't know the answer to this. But I think we can search it out together and we can trash it out together. Is that a more humble answer? Yeah. If you don't know something, say you don't know. And especially as a people, we have gaps in our Christian experience. We talked about this on Wednesday. Um, not every sick person is getting healed. So we should be asking questions. We should come with humility and come before God and say, God, something isn't right somewhere. And we know the problem can't be you. Because you are the same yesterday, you are the same today, you are the same forever. You are the same God who worked with Abraham, you are the same God who worked with Isaac, same God who worked with Jacob, same God who worked with the prophets, same God who worked with Elijah, 
same God who worked with Elisha, the same God who worked with the apostles, the same God who wrote great miracles to Peter, through Paul, through Silas, through all these guys. And the same God still doing miracles in our time. Praise God. Praise God. So we need that humility to go to him and say, God, indeed there are gaps. Teach us. Teach us your ways. We want to know your ways. And we want to see the supernatural happen in our time. Praise God. And what was the last one? The heart, right? The heart's prepared. The third recipe that we talked about is a heart that is ready. Where God really puts our hearts under light. Right? I think I've shared this before. When I was a lot younger and when it's time to go for vigil, you know, you know that the vigil is, let's say, 10 or 11 p.m. And you will delay your sleep till around 8 or 9. Assuming that when your parents see that you are asleep, they will leave you, right? I mean, we would try that trick. I think it was just me. Okay, I think it was just me. Okay, so I'm, oh, you tried it. Okay, thank God. I thought it was just me. So you just sleep and you just believe they don't want to, they, they, they are rushing. They don't want to get there late. So I can just sleep off. Like, get up, go dress up. And when I'm doing, I will leave you. You know that threat. I will leave you. You're like, fulfill it today. It is this video. <laughs> you may say you will leave me. Says, leave me, leave me this night. I need to sleep. Leave me. But it's just that night they don't want to leave you. You are threatening me. I will leave you. But you don't want to leave me. I need to sleep. All right? And I remember one particular night, I, I found all the excuses. I said, I would do this. So finally, I said, I have nothing to wear. What do you mean you have nothing to wear? I said, it's rough. There's no light. For those watching online, all right, I come from a continent where I'm looking straight into the camera now. When we say there is no light... <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Is that the cloud of glory? Please don't be distracted. These things are just things, right? Yes. Praise God. That's not the presence. So, hello. Just so you so like, oh, when we watch prayer, it's just a cloud. Somebody press the button, and that's literally fog. There's a machine there that, that brings it out. All right. When the cloud comes, you will know that this is the cloud. All right. And how many of you perceived the presence during the worship? It was not smoke, right? Good, good. Praise God. All right. So I was like, I have nothing to wear. I have no clothes to wear. So there was this shirt. It was dirty. It was rough. I gave my mom all the reasons. I get what she said. She said, it's night. Nobody's going to see it. I was like, okay. So I wore the clothes. And then we just got into church. There was light everywhere. Light everywhere. So... I looked at myself, and I remembered what I looked like in the house. You know when something is not very clear? It just looks good. It looks good. And I looked at myself in church. I was like, oh, my. Who is? I looked like someone that was just picked from one, <laughs> from one bean and brought into the presence of God. Praise God. And that's the way the light of God's word works. When we expose our hearts. You see a scripture that talks about you. Don't say that is not me. Say, God, this is me. Let's fix it. This is, this is literally me. This lust, I've been fighting it. Let's address it now. I just found a scripture that shows that God can deliver one from this. This is me. Thus, I'm delivered, I'm delivered, I'm delivered, I'm delivered. You just break your deliverance. <laughs> Praise God. Can we just go to today's sermon already? Praise God. Somebody say, let my people go. Somebody say, let my people go. Remember, the grand topic for the month is all in and sold out. And the concept is that there is a tussle for your attention. There is a tussle for your love. There is a tussle for your worship. God wants you. The devil wants you. 
God wants you a particular way. The devil wants you anyhow. So it's just fine if he has you. God is saying, I'm looking for worshipers, but I won't accept all kinds of worship. The devil is saying, I don't care whether you're going to stand, whether you're going to jump, if you're going to kneel, if you're going to worship me in truth, if you're not going to mean it, if you're going to say the truth, if you're going to lie to me, I don't care. Just worship me. So can you see that the devil is a really sick devil? Hello? Hello? Am I still in church? He's a really sick devil. He's saying, I want you, but just come anyhow. And God is saying, I want you, I want you in a particular way. Come the way you are, but I have the power to transform you to the way I want you to be. I can empower you to please me, but I will insist on how I will be worshipped. Praise God. Praise God. So I'm just going to walk through some scriptures, and I want you to greet today's message with humility. And look for those areas in your life where you see that you've not experienced complete, total freedom. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I know most people in the room are believers. I believe so. Uh, maybe at the end of the service, we'll pray for those who are not sure that they are believers. All right. So, if you are a believer, you should know that God has set you free and he has delivered you from sin. However, our deliverance from sin ensures that we still live in a body. We still communicate with a realm or dimension of our being called our soul, where our emotions, our mind, and our will resides. And that is something we will literally have to voluntarily bring and present to him and say, not only have you rebirthed my spirit, but now I am bringing my soul and my body to you. Are, are we still together? Are we in church? Hello, are we still in church? Are you getting the concept? So the concept is that now that you are born again, your spirit has been reborn. Do not forget the conversation in John chapter 3. The Bible says, humility. That's a good note on humility. So how many of us know the guy that went to Jesus Christ? Yes, you know he went at night. Do you know why he went at night? The Bible says he was a teacher of the law. So he was the kind of person teachers went to meet to learn. So this teacher had to go meet another teacher, and the best time he could go was at night, so that nobody will see that he's downloading rev from Jesus. Because I'm sure the sermon Nicodemus preached at the synagogue the next Saturday, not Sunday, was, you guys got to be born again. And they're looking at him, what? Where did you get that from? You will have known that I had been with Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So it is the spirit, because part of what the Godemons told Jesus that at my age, it doesn't matter your age, even a newborn baby on day one, the moment that baby comes out, cannot go back in. Am I in church? There is no way. Someone says, okay, but we do cesarean sections now, so if the cutting, before they switch up, we can put the baby back. You can't put the baby back. What you can do is you can kill the baby back. Hello? Hello? I know enough medicine, enough science to know that the moment a child takes the first breath, there is a change in their being that ensures that they lose their ability to live in fluid and gain the ability to live with air. Mm. Some of you will think about that statement and you will get it. God has eaten every deep spiritual truth in physical realities. Praise God. Praise God. 
So therefore, in humility, we must accept that while our spirit has been reborn, there are, there are certain portions of our existence that we still need freedom from. Some of us, it's in our thoughts. We just lack the capacity to think good thoughts. Some of us, it's in our actions. We have tiny little addictions that we are not yet free from. And you're coming to God, you're praying to God, you're literally counting and giving God time. God, this is year one, this is year two, this is year three. Some people literally want to serve God. You know you want to serve God, but you just can't bring yourself to doing it. There is a ridiculous competition for your time and for your attention. We must, in humility, accept that in addition to the rebirthing of our spirit man, we must lay down our bodies. We must lay down our will. We must lay down our emotions. We must lay down our thoughts, all of us, for him. Praise God. Am I still in church this morning? So the first point I want you to know is that slavery many times doesn't begin as slavery. Slavery, many times, and I'm going to give us scriptures that will give us an idea of this as a shadow, as an example. And it's your duty as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It shines a light on it in your heart, and you see how this applies to you. Slavery doesn't always begin as slavery. There is nobody who is hooked on, for example, let's, let's say, the, how many of you are familiar with the opioid crisis? Many people are not familiar with it. So it's a good example to use. I'm not, I know we have people watching online. I'm not about to dissect because of the opioid crisis. But um, pain, pain is big business. Let me just put it that way. Pain is big business. Painkillers, can anybody guess in billions of dollars how much um, painkillers are sold each year? Just guess. That, that sounds so accurate. I mean, I would say like 2 or 3. Why 2.7? <laughs> that sounds like you have a data set that we do not know. Praise God. So let's say 2.7. All right. So um, there is, there's different kinds of pain. And there's a kind of pain that you don't use Tylenol for. So opioids are specialized kinds of pain medications that give you excellent pain control. The only issue is that with continuous use, there's something called tolerance and there's something called dependence, and then it graduates into addiction. What that means is if you need one tablet for the back pain to go, I'm just painting a wild, wild example, gradually you will discover that one tablet suddenly isn't enough anymore. So you're going to need two tablets to get the same feel that you get with that. And then from two tablets, it becomes three tablets. Suddenly, you're like, oh, why am I taking three tablets? I'm not going to take three tablets again. And then by the time you don't take three tablets, let's say you take one, what should happen? It should not work as effectively, right? Right? But that's not what happens. You now begin to feel tortured for not taking three. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So instead of letting it just be the pain, it's not just the pain anymore. It's now something else that will now drive you to ensure that by all means you must look for what? Three. Praise God. That is how slavery works. It doesn't begin with slavery. The devil doesn't just say, come, come, I want to destroy your life, I want to destroy your life. No, he's never had that conversation with anyone. He makes it look nice, polished, creamed, and he says, you don't have to pray this morning. God loves you. You don't have to pray this morning. God still loves you. He's chasing after you recklessly. He loves you without abandon. You know, there's no shadow. He won't light up. There's no wall. He won't kick down. He's running after you. Praise God. 
Do you know the devil showed up to Jesus and was quoting scripture? What audacity. What audacity. So if he did that with our Lord and Savior, he's going to do it with you. Guess what? If all you need is scriptural backing to do what you know you shouldn't do, you are going to find lots of scriptures. You are going to find lots of scriptures. Lots of scriptures not to be on fire for Christ. Lots of scriptures not to fulfill and to stretch yourself to accomplish the fullness of your destiny. You will find lots of scripture not to pray. You will find lots of scripture not to fast. You find lots of scripture not to do anything you want scriptures for. You will find it. The Bible is a complete book. It's so complete, the devil also enjoys it. Are you still in church this morning? Genesis chapter 46, verse 3 and 4. The scriptures I'll be giving us will be pointers to shadows, pointers to examples. The Bible tells us, for those who are in the first service, were in life class this morning, we read about the prophecy God gave to Abraham. Many, many years before this was to happen to his descendants. All right, so now... It was time for the prophecy to come to pass. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Is that in your Bible? Is that in your Bible? All right. So this was God's plan. God says, I will make you a great nation there. Now, did they become a great nation there? Yes or no? Yes. God had already told Abraham. Remember? We read it in Genesis chapter 15 that your descendants in a strange land, they will become slaves there. All right, and for that word to be fulfilled, there needed to be a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Now, I'm going to explain that. Because, see, when you read the Bible, you need to engage your mind and engage your imaginations. How can there be a man who literally saved not just a nation, but saved the world? And you are not just a casual citizen. You are a Pharaoh, a king, and you don't know him then there's something wrong with you. Either, either, either the history books have become faulty or become tampered with or edited for you not to know Joseph. Or, or there is a spirit at work in you that reckons that what Joseph did, anybody could have done it. And the guy was just lucky. The guy was just lucky. So when the Bible says a, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not, he, he didn't say he didn't know about Joseph. There's no way the whole world knew about Joseph. He changed the entire system of government in Egypt. The current government that this new pharaoh was running was designed essentially by Joseph. The Bible says Joseph bought the entire land for what? For pharaoh, such that they started paying him taxes. All right? So the entire system was built on what Joseph had built. It's not that he did not know. When the Bible talks about no, no, no is not a concept of awareness. It's a concept of intimacy and understanding of the core purpose behind the thing. Am I sitting in church this morning? So when he says another knew his wife, he's talking about a dimension of his, he doesn't mean he became aware of her, that she's there. If she's there, nothing happens. He says Adam knew his wife and she bore forth. Hmm. It means that with real intimacy, there must be fruit. <sighs> Praise God. I need to stick to, to my sermon this morning. All right, so slavery won't begin as slavery. These guys strolled into Egypt. Were they flogged into Egypt? They were not flogged into Egypt. Meaning that when you begin to skip the things you know you should be doing, you are gradually strolling in. You are gradually empowering a slave master. And the enemy, the devil, the adversary, as the, as the as scriptures describe him, he has all the sweet mouths to attract us in. And to draw us in. And he's telling you, why do you keep going to church? 
Why don't you choose to think? Be a free thinker. Think critically. All these years you've been serving God, what does your life have to show for it? And he's asking you foolish questions, and you're engaging in foolish conversations. The Bible doesn't encourage us to have conversations with the devil. He calls him an ancient serpent. Number one, serpent is already wise by itself. Ancient adding to it adds levels of dimensions of decades and centuries of experience. Based on conversation, you cannot win that conversation. Did you hear me? So stop discussing with the devil. Stop having conversations. When he tells you you are going to die, the only thing you should say is you are a liar. You've lied from the beginning. The devil can't even bring himself to try to say the truth. He can't say you will live because we imagine that we happen. He just has to say you will die and you will laugh and say you just told another lie. He says you're going to die broke. Your family is going to suffer. Your wife is going to die. Your husband is going to disappear. All sorts of crazy thoughts. And you say, you, Satan, I do what? I rebuke you. That is our conversation with the enemy. I rebuke you. Case closed. I rebuke you. When you sense things going differently in your finances, of course, you're trying to audit and find where did I get it wrong? Where did I get indisciplined? Is there a plug somewhere? I've been faithful to God in my offering. I've been paying my tithe. I've been doing all of those. This has to be the end of, end of the enemy. Therefore, Satan, I rebuke your hands over my finances. Did you hear that? Praise God. Praise God. The slave master also knows that there is, comes a point where the chains leave the ankles and the feet and the hands and these chains become attached to the mind. I'm sure we're all familiar with the story of a particular um, animal. I've heard the story in different versions. Some said it was a cow, some said it was an elephant, some said it was. So an animal, right? An animal tied to a stump with ropes. Tied for so long. So the animal will move and suddenly discover that this is the extent to which my chains permit me. So it, there's already that circumference. There's already that region beyond which he knows he cannot go. It's in the same way when pastor says you will build 50 houses and you will give two for kingdom work. And you already know that in my family, we don't even own houses. We rent till we die. So that's like a circumference. Or when there is a prophecy that says God is raising kingdom financiers and raising millionaires. You know, see guys, let's receive this word with joy. I was listening to Pastor Matthew and he started a series called um, Money Masterclass where God has challenged him to begin to raise billionaires. I was like, okay, there's levels to this. So we need to hurry up and catch up, right? Hello? Hello? Am I in the right church? You know, many years ago, Pastor Matthew started teaching life class. He was teaching it regularly. People were saying all sorts. All these pastors, they are doing this, this. They are doing that, that. They are doing this, this. If you know what KICC members do in the world, because of what God has blessed them with. Hello? Hello? You know there's a speed at which you are moving. You are not hearing what people are saying. You only hear comments when you are, you are with the people. If you are in your jet, you are just reading about what they are saying. <laughs> what have they said again? What have they said again? You say, Father, thank you because you have empowered me to do more. What next, Lord? What next? What next are we doing? What next? That's your conversation. What next, Papa? What next? What next? That's our conversation. Not what are they saying? Who said this? What, what the, that's noise. That's crowd level. Praise God. 
Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. So there comes a point where the chain literally leaves the feet. It leaves the ankle. And that is what happens at salvation. When we have that reborning, that born-again experience, what happens is that the chains are broken. However, because of what we've learned repeatedly over time in our former life, there is need for a relearning, a transformation. Numbers 11 verse 4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also, somebody said the children of Israel also. So they were not the pioneers of the thoughts. There was a mixed multitude. And we'll talk about that sometime soon. It says, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Now, is it true that slaves eat freely? No. So their imagination was already distorted. It says the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now, what these people were saying is that we will rather continue to be slaves if we have food to eat than to be delivered and to journey through this wilderness with this man, Moses, who says God has spoken to him. Now, these are the same people who walked through the sea on dry land, who saw their enemies destroyed behind them. All right? The very same people get to a point of opposition, and the only defense they can greet that opposition with is, I prefer my former life. Let me tell you, everything God has delivered you from, he delivered you from it for your good. You are not missing. Hello? You are not missing. Sin is not an enjoyment. You are not missing. Your friends will go and party in the club and smoke, smoke cigarettes, smoke weed, and drink all sorts. You are not missing. Hello? Now, God loves them. And if you allow yourself to be used, God can, through you, bring them to him. And those people tend to be very powerful voices. Because they can reach out to the rest of their clan who are still in that lifestyle. And you can say, I've done this before. He said, let's go and drink. drink. In the days I was drinking, you are taking one bottle, two bottles, and already shaking. You can't even drive. <laughs> you can't even drive. You, you've taken just, just, <laughs> and you can't drive. Look at you. He said, but there is no life there. We've been there. We've done that. Come and see the real life. Come. Praise God. People asking, Pastor, are you, are you giving an example? Are you talking about yourself? Does it matter? Does the old me matter? What matters is the new me, right? Praise God. Somebody say, glory to God. So every chain that has left the feet and has come to the mind will limit you. There are job applications you will not apply for because your mental chain has already told you, not you. Not people like you. They won't employ someone of your color. They won't employ someone of your background. They won't employ someone of your whatever. Hello? How about I buy the company? Then, praise God. You know there's levels to these thought things. There's levels to it. From, will they employ me? Let them just take me. Let them pay me anything. I'll take anything. In fact, I'll work for free. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We are never going back to everything we've been delivered from. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. And the chain still left in our mind. Because, see, you won't enter into the fullness of God or what God has for you if you have that limited mindset. You won't enter into it. You won't enter into it. When God is calling you up to a greater place, your mind's picture of greatness is already limited. You're saying, God, it can't be beyond this. Where I am is fine. I know where I used to be. I know where I am now. I am grateful for where I am. And God is saying, yes, but this is not where I'm taking you to. No, the Bible tells us in their journey, they got to a place with palm trees and beaches. Have you seen it before? Now imagine journeying through wilderness. And suddenly you see palm trees. And you, you now see nice pools and oases and water and water bodies and all of those things. And you're like, oh, wow, this has to be the promised land. And God is saying, no, this is not the promised land. Let me tell you, the promised land might not look like the promised land. They saw the promised land, they were scared. They saw palm trees and beaches, they were happy. Your picture of your promised land needs to change. Don't paint a picture that the world gives you. Receive God's picture for your destiny. Did you hear that? You might think it might just be five houses. Oh, I will do a thanks. We'll do the Thanksgiving service for you. We'll rejoice with you. But God is saying this is not it. This is not it. Praise God. As we begin to tie this together, the only language that the slave master understands is the language of power. The only language that Pharaoh understands is the language of power. Pharaoh might look like a dignified human being. He is not. He might look like a respectable leader. He is not. Pharaoh is not a diplomat. And I need you to listen to me. The forces we are contending with, they are not nice forces. These are not nice people who are smiling and saying, come to the table, let's discuss. The destiny of your family, the health of your family, the future of your children that the enemy is contending for, it is not on the altar of conversation. This is not the altar of debate. I'm going to have a nice conversation. We are going to bring things to the table. There is nothing coming to the table. The only language that the enemy speaks is the language of power. And if you do not learn to wield the power that you carry, you've already lost Exodus chapter 5 verse 2. Exodus chapter 5 verse 2. Pharaoh did not see himself as just a king. Pharaoh did not reckon with himself as just Pharaoh. As far as Pharaoh was concerned, he himself was a god. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Let me tell you as we learned this morning, your prosperity is spiritual warfare. You don't just go there and say, oh God, 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 you are you rebuke that enemy and you insist on what God's word says concerning you. The same for your health. It's a power tussle. Someone is like, oh, is this really it? This is really it. We have the power. We've got to use it. Am I in church this morning? So the only language Pharaoh understands is the language of power. You are going to have to bring something to the table. When you bring one to the table, Pharaoh will say, we can do this too. When you bring another one to the table, he's going to say, we can do this one too. When you bring this to the table, we'll say, we can do this too. Until you enter into a realm of the supernatural, where the enemy knows that we can't do this. This obviously is the hand of God. Then you know that the hand of God has touched your life, has touched your health, has touched your finances. That the enemy will know that this has gone beyond the level. We can't reproduce this. Am I still in church this morning? Am I still in church this morning? Am I still in church this morning? But if there's anything I want you to leave today someone with, it is that the enemy knows the back door. The enemy knows the back door. And that's what I want you to leave today someone with. The enemy knows the back door. I'll give you two examples of the back door that the enemy knows. Numbers chapter 23. 
Numbers chapter 23. The Israelites were about to journey through Moab. And they had sent letters to the king of Moab. The king of Moab was a gentleman who was not a gentleman named Balak. And he said, we'll just pass through. We won't touch anything. We know our animals might get hungry, get thirsty. If they drink anything, we will pay you for it, even double. They were negotiating and trying to use diplomacy. See, it's not a knife, it's not a knife fight. They were saying, No, we're just going to pass through, we're just going to pass through. Praise God. Praise God. So just for accuracy, that was actually the offer they made to Edom, to, to Edom, their brothers. With Moab, it was actually an anticipation that these people are coming, let's deal with them. Balak did not raise an army. He didn't look for, he had an army. He had skilled fighters. He had all of those people. But he knew that for me to defeat these people, I'm going to have to curse them. So he rented a prophet by the name Balaam. Are we familiar with this story? We're familiar with the story of Balaam and Balak. So Balak shows up and tries to curse God's people. Numbers 23 verse 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Is that in your Bible? You know, there are many powerful scriptures that it was actually from the mouth of Balaam who was invited to curse that these scriptures come from. There is therefore now no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now, all these great things. Now, we're going to learn about this on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about place on Wednesday. Please don't miss Wednesday service. But the Bible tells us that what Balak did was he was moving Balaam from place to place. He moved him to place one. They moved him to place two. He said if you couldn't curse them from there, you might be able to curse them from here. And the guy would just continue blessing them. He says, okay, if you can't do that there, you might be able to do it here. And then he was doing all of that. The Bible says that Balak told Balaam, he said, well, it's not my fault. I plan to give you a lot of wealth. I plan to bless you. Bless you. All right. Say, but see what your God has caused for you. See what you are missing out. Just to curse these people. You can't go, how difficult will it be to open your mouth and just curse them? He says, no, those ones, you can't curse them. But before Balaam left, he told Balak something. He said, I can't curse them. He said it to the camera, but he whispered to the ear. But there is a back door. I can't curse them. Numbers chapter 31 verse 16 tells us about the incident of Peor. The incident of Peor. There was something that happened that, in fact, Balak agreed there was no use cursing these people. There was no use cursing them. We wasted our time and efforts trying to get them cursed. There was no use. This back door, you told us, has been more effective than the front door. The front door is to curse them. We can't curse who God has. This is why he blessed people. We can't curse them. However, there is a back door. And the back door that Balaam whispered to them was that, tell your ladies to do the needful. Let them go to the camp of the Israelites and just have conversations with them. The law of their God instructs them not to mingle with foreigners. Once they enter into disobedience, Nobody needs to curse them. 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 
for those writing Numbers 23 verse 8, we read that Numbers 24, 10 to 14 and verse 25. The back door. The back door. It's the same way, the same exact way. The same way where God says, these are my children, I have created them for my worship. And the devil shows up and says, well, I know these your children are not going to worship you. And God says, no, I created them for my worship. I know they are going to worship me. And the devil says, no, you don't accept any kind of worship. Didn't you say in your word, now this is the devil quoting scripture to God. He says that the father seeks those who will worship him. So, I mean, why is the king of glory seeking? It means that there must be limited supply of worshippers. He says, yes. He said, God, you know your problem? He says, what? You want only people who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Well, for me, they don't need to worship me in spirit. I will take their worship. They don't need to worship me in truth. I will take their truth. Now, nobody outrightly goes to say, Satan, I bow to you. But the devil knows the back door. He knows the back door. He knows the back door. And God has said in this new season, he's breaking every chain. Not just physical chains, he's breaking mental chains emotional chains, everything that has limited us, and every back door that we have left exposed to the enemy. Where he knows Can you rise on your feet this morning? Have you been blessed this morning? Are you sure you've been blessed this morning? Are you happy you came to church? Beyond your joy is what God is going to do in your life. To ensure that your freedom is complete. Your freedom is total. The song we sang earlier today said, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to shame. I am no longer a slave to guilt. I am no longer a slave to poverty. Do not allow it. Don't check the box. It's an all-inclusive package. Don't choose what you want your God experience to include. He wants the entirety of your worship. He wants everything. Now, I want you to just open your mouth this morning and say, Father, I receive your help. I receive your help. Those chains that I'm struggling with, some of us have crawled into addictions. When we started, it didn't look like an addiction and now you know you need help. The great physician is in the room this morning. He says, I can help you. He says, I can heal you. He says, I can take that pain away. He says, I see the worry in your heart. I see the doubts. I see, I see you struggling in your relationship with me. I see you. I see you. I see the tussle. I see you trying to make sense of this relationship. I see the moments where you are motivated to read your Bible, to pray. I see the other days, the majority of the time where you struggle, where those worship songs don't make any sense. You just want to turn them off. Where you don't feel like going to church. Where you go weeks, months without even opening a page of your Bible. He says, I see you struggling. He's saying, I don't want you to struggle anymore. He says, surrender, receive my help. My grace is sufficient for you. I can empower you to please me. I can empower you to want me. I can empower you to love and to enjoy fellowship with me. I can empower you. I can break those chains completely. Every old of the slave master and every power that has locked you down, he said, my power is able to break it. My power is able to break it. My power is able to break it. Some of them are altars that our parents have negotiated. 
transactions that have happened without our notice, without our approval, and they're having implications in our lives. Some of us are scared of certain ages. As you're approaching a particular birthday, there's fear because there's a pattern in the family. There's a chain yet to be broken. A chain of people who don't have children in the family. People who don't get married in the family. People who don't make it. Who are just never prosperous. People who constantly live from hand to mouth. Constantly begging. In that deception that you are holy. Constantly begging. And you know you are a slave to sin. You know you are a slave to money. That whoever owns the money dictates the music of your life. You are saying, Father, I am breaking free. This morning, I'm breaking free. Come on, make that your declaration. I am breaking free from everything that has held me bound. I refuse to be under any slave master. No matter how attractive it looks, no matter how attractive it looks, I break free from every chain that has held me bound. I am free. I am free indeed. 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 Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Therefore, Jesus has set me free. Every back door, every deception, every attempt of the enemy, who is a, 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 a liar, who is a, the Bible says, the thief comes, not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Every attempt of the killer, of the thief, of the destroyer, in my life, in my family, upon my children, stealing their peace, stealing their destiny, compensating me with a second-class existence, saying at least your children are alive. No, not only are our children meant to be alive, they are meant to fulfill destiny, to fulfill purpose, to come to the fullness, telling us that children to be happy, that you are alive and breathing. No, not only am I meant to be alive and breathing, but I'm taking territories, winning souls, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. I refuse to accept this state. I refuse to accept this current state. I am breaking free from every limitation, telling me that this is the maximum I can get to, that this is the maximum impact I can make, that this is the fullness of my being. No! The chains are completely broken. I refuse to crawl back into those addictions. Everything I've been delivered from, I am delivered. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father. Praise and honor be unto your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. If you are here in the room this morning, I know there are those who are connecting with us online. I are saying, this word has touched me. I know I'm saved. But I know also that my existence is not like a saved one. Open your eyes for a minute. The Bible tells us that, not the Bible, history tells us that when slavery was abolished, there were certain slaves who could not read. So they didn't even know that they were free. Are you still with me? There were some whose masters still had a little bit of conscience instead of this person working in ignorance let me take documents to them and the masters took documents to them telling them just sign here they didn't know what they were signing is that I am free but I am signing to continue to work under my master because they've been slaves all their lives couldn't read, couldn't write the ones who really attained the breaking out were those who had learnt under their masters to read and to write 
They were the ones who could read the documents and could see we are really free. You know when you are watching on the news, when the news says you are free, you are hearing, but you don't even know what free means. It was really, really that bad. And there are things here that you have been delivered from, but there is a need for an execution. The court has already signed it. The court of heaven has decreed it. This matter settled. But there needs to be an execution, a translation in the realm of time to ensure that this is your reality. And you are here and you are saying, Pastor, there is a gap in my life between what I have seen Scripture say about me and what I am experiencing. Scripture says, I will not be a borrower, that I will be a lender, but I see myself needing more credit cards, just more credit cards. It's almost as though I and debt have been married together and I can't break free. For someone else, I say, my problem is not money. I think I'm fine with money, but pastor, I have some form of desires that even I cannot explain where they have come from. I can't explain the kinds of appetites I have. I cannot explain where it has come from. I don't know where it is from, but I think some crazy thoughts that nobody in the world must hear. For someone you are here, you know God has given you good health, but you hear those voices of inadequacy constantly coming to you, telling you you are of no good and you can finish it. You can end it. You can end it now. That you can just end it and take your life. And you, sometimes you're like, ah, how did I ever get to a point in my life where I would consider suicide? Never. It's a chain. It's a chain. I want me to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out. But I need you to agree, agree that what the word of God says about you is what is final. Am I in the right church this morning? I said what the word of God says about us is what is final. If he says that we will be lenders to nations, then we will be lenders to nations. That siege of death is broken. Every chain of addiction is broken. In the mighty name of Jesus. And for someone else, maybe watching online or in the room, you are saying, well... I don't know why I'm assuming that I'm even saved in the first place. I don't know who Jesus is. I've heard so much about him. I actually hate the church. I hate pastors. I was abused when I was a lot younger by a pastor or by pastors. You just hate the entire institution of the church. You hear of church, it vexes your spirit. And there's been healing going on in your heart, but you just can't bring yourself to go to a church. You just believe everybody's a liar. Everybody's deceptive. They just want something from you. Want something from you. And I say, well, there's a light that I've received as I've read the word this morning. And I think that God is calling me back to be a part of his family once again. Not to be an isolated child in a green room, but to be a beloved one within the family. I'm going to pray with you all of those groups this morning. And for those who this is the very first time you've not made this decision before, and you're saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. They told me before when I come to Jesus, my problems will disappear. All my debts will be automatically paid. There will just be money transferred to my account. But I've not heard you say that this morning. I've heard you say that I can experience a freedom, a deliverance, that my spirit can be set free. Indeed, I can be reborn. I can be born again and translated from darkness into light. I'm going to agree with you also in that group. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all your children under the sound of my voice. And I come with thanksgiving, knowing fully well that there is no power that can oppose you. There is no contract that your blood cannot break. There is no altar, no agreement that your blood does not supersede. It doesn't matter who 
negotiated that contract, whether it was our father, our mother, our grandparents, or some ancestor down the line. It doesn't matter. What we know is that the power in your blood is more than able, more than able, more than able to authorize the deliverance of your children. Therefore, I speak to every life under the sound of my voice who still has chains and shackles of the enemy wrapped around one area of their life. The enemy has taken away the chains from the main frames of their lives, deceiving them that it's gone, and has snuck in another little chain in one little corner, such that your children are not living in complete victory. I stand as one anointed and ordained by the Most High God, and I decree upon this altar that every residue, every chain, every limitation that is holding back your children by the authority in the blood of Jesus, I command such chains to be completely broken in the mighty name of Jesus. I know behind every addiction there is a demon attached to it to ensure the perpetuity and continuity. The word tells us to rebuke the devil and tells us what will happen. It doesn't leave it to chance. It says an evil flee. Therefore, you demons of addictions in the lives of God's children, men and women, boys and girls who have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus under the chains of addictions to medications, to certain drugs, to certain behaviors, to certain tendencies. In the pekeri kapasha, I speak under the authority of the Most High. And I command all such chains to be broken in the name of Jesus. I command deliverance. The Bible tells us in Romans 1 about something called inordinate desires. Inordinate desires. They are fruits and products of a reprobate mind. For anyone under that chain, under the sound of my voice. Satan, we rebuke you. Every time you remind us of our past, all we have to do is to bring the blood to you. And we remind you of how you failed. How you had just one job and you failed. All you needed to do, Satan, was to ensure that the king of glory would not die. You had just one job and you couldn't do that. By virtue of the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, by virtue of the blood that has been shed, our deliverance has been authorized. That you could not stop Jesus from dying, you can't stop us now. Because his blood has paid for our deliverance. His blood has paid for our deliverance. I said his blood has paid for our deliverance. Therefore, every residue is broken. And we are free indeed. We are free completely. We are free indeed. We are free completely. I said we are free indeed. And we are free completely. Come on, I said we are free indeed. And we are free completely. If you believe that, jam your hands together. And shout, I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you 
believe that God has done a mighty thing in our midst this morning. I believe it strongly. I believe it strongly. Praise God. Please be seated for maybe 30 seconds. Be seated for 30 seconds. Woo! What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.